0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Especially the subject
1: we're talking about. Hallelujah to the King. Amen? And so that's what we're speaking about today. The King is coming. I'd like for you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Daniel. Chapter 2. And this is a complicated book. Uh, Most of you are familiar that there was a man named Daniel. Some of you know that he was a prophet. Most of you know that he spent time in the lion's den. But I'm afraid that as we travel along in our spiritual journey, we limit what we know about the word to those kind of things. In other words... David and Goliath, we know he killed the giant. Or as David was teaching this morning, Jonah and the whale, we know he was swallowed by a whale. We talk about Simon Peter. Most of you know that he denied the Lord three times. And if we're not, if we're not careful, and if we're not students of the word, then we just sit back and we, we just take in bits and pieces and we become familiar with incidents of amazing Bible characters, and only confine our Bible knowledge to these miraculous, astounding stories. But I will tell you, you'll never really grow in grace unless you apply yourself to diligent study. A lot of the books of the Bible are complicated where you do need help along the way. That's why there are preachers and pastors and teachers and missionaries and evangelists and so forth to help bring out some of these spiritual truths. When we get to a book like Daniel, yes, it is complicated, and the subject matter that we have today even makes it even more complicated, and I realize that some of you are coming in on the end of this series. Bible prophecy in itself is a very complicated subject. I was talking to someone this week, I don't remember exactly who it was right now, but the subject of Bible prophecy came up. And, uh, you know, I'm amazed that there are a variety of reasons why Bible prophecy is not taught more in churches uh, at large. And uh, it's because of a various uh, persona or perception uh, of why they don't. But there are plenty of churches that do not teach on Bible prophecy. We started the series, and these were four messages, on the rapture. But we conclude today with this message, the king is coming. And so we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2, and uh, I pray that uh, this passage of Scripture will be one that you uh, will familiarize yourself with. In Daniel chapter 2, I want you to notice with me now in verse 44, the Bible says this, And in the days of these kings shall
0: the God of heaven Set up a kingdom. And we're talking about the king is coming. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom
1: shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. In verse 45, the Bible says, for as much as thou sawest that the stone, oftentimes I ask you to underline key words in your Bible, and we will spend a portion of our gathering today with this one word stone. I want to ask you if you are comfortable with writing in your Bible, underline that word stone, which was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure." One of the questions that I'm asked many times, many, many times, is this.
0: Pastor, if there is a God in heaven, why would he let so many bad things happen in this world?
1: And maybe you've asked that question before. Because you've gone through something devastating or you know somebody has gone through something devastating. Or you are very familiar with what's happening in our world today. And maybe you have asked yourself, you have asked, if there's a God in heaven, why is he allowing all of these things to take place? If God is a God of love then why would he allow this world to be filled with hate, to be filled with murder and drugs and violence and famines, storms and earthquakes and broken homes, abuse, economic turmoil, and incompetent government? If God is a God of love, why would he allow all of these things? Well, listen very carefully. And I hope and pray I can give you an answer to some of that you may be in search of today, and that is this. None of those things are in the divine nature of God. Everything that I have just mentioned, listen carefully, none of those things are in the divine nature of God. One of the things that every Christian must remember is this, that God is not ruling this world at this present time. You need to pay close attention here because the world and its program is being ruled and governed by the devil himself right now. The scriptures tell us that he is the prince and he is the power of the air. In fact, I want you to see this passage in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And so this may clear something up for you today, and that is this. Although the Holy Spirit is indwelling the heart of every born-again believer. The Holy Spirit is present on this earth. He is here and he's working. Listen carefully. It is the devil that is ruling and influencing this world. Otherwise, if the Holy Spirit was governing this world, there would be an incredible more spirit of righteousness on this earth, but that's not the case. God is permitting what is happening all over this earth right now. He's permitting it. It's just like this. You're familiar with the old song at Easter. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. God could have, but he chose not to because Jesus had to die to be the propitiation of our sins. He he had to be the divine substitute, the vicarious substitute. He had to die for me, he had to die for you. God permitted, although he could have sent 10,000 angels, God chose not to do it and he allowed, he permitted those evil wicked men to crucify his only begotten son. And so understand this, that the devil is leading this world right now And he is working within the free will of man. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. He's working in the free will of man. You can see him working in our government. You can see him working in our education systems. And that's one thing that I I I really wanted to look at as far as making a notation of that this morning. And that is because I don't want to spend all day on it. And I want to give just a very limited amount of time, but you can see what's happening in most of our public schools today. You can see what's happening in textbook educations. You can see what's happening in the library books. You can see what's happening in the indoctrinations of this world. And I can tell you right now, friend, God, the Holy Spirit is not working in that. The devil's at work with all sorts of perversions at things that are going on today that is beyond the ability to even imagine. I have mentioned many, many times when I was a kid growing up, things were bad then. But I tell you, the things that are happening on this earth today never entered into the hearts of men in their imagination back in those days. And we have certainly taken a nosedive in the world of perversions as far as the earth goes, addictions of all sorts. Violence is everywhere. And it's incredible how people, I'll just give you one illustration, how store owners have all of these people assaulting them, bursting into their places of business, stealing things in broad daylight and are not permitted to defend themselves. This is a perverted world. It makes no sense. We're living in the times where right is wrong and wrong is right. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not the one in charge of that. He's not the one governing all of that. It's the prince and the power of the air. That's the devil. God's not ruling this world at this time. He is ruling the hearts of people who have called on the name of his son, to be their personal savior. He is ruling their hearts, his people. And he will rule them as long as they will let him. God doesn't force his ruling or he doesn't force his leadership. He doesn't force himself on anybody. He doesn't, we're not puppets. We're not robots. Within every one of us, God has placed Free will. He put a free will in man way back in the Garden of Eden. He gave them a choice. He said, Listen, you're going to have yourselves a wonderful time as long as you obey me and do what I say. But the day, but the day that thou eatest thereof, God said, Thou shalt surely die. Now man had a choice. Man chose to disobey God. So from the very beginning, he has placed within us a free will. And so even though God is not ruling in the world, he is ruling in the hearts of people who have allowed him to be the king of their life. And I emphasize those who will let him. Remember this, God never forces anybody to do his will. He is not forcing any of us to submit to him. He is not forcing any of us to surrender to him. He's not forcing us to let him have his way in our life. But if you allow him to rule your affairs, he will. It's very simple. He said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Now, if you allow him to rule in your heart, in your life, for example, if you follow the scripture, you obey what the word says, You follow Him. Let's talk about in the area of your finances. If you follow Him according to the Word of God and He's promised, He will bless you. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you'll not have room enough to receive. If you follow Him and want to obey Him, when you are facing the valley of decisions, you've got to make a decision. According to the word of God, if you obey him, if you open your hearts to his word and you need wisdom to make decisions, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So if you allow God to rule in your heart and in your life and all of these things, with your affections, with your priorities, all of these things, he will rule what you allow him to rule. He will not force himself on you at all. And so the present kingdoms of this world is being ruled by the devil. But the prophet Daniel, let's get back to this, is saying that all of this that's being ruled by the devil, Daniel is saying one day that's going to change forever. And so if you look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 again, the word says the kingdom of Christ, it shall stand forever. And look at that passage in verse number 45. The word says this, For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass, Hereafter, and the dream is certain. Look at that. That means sure. And then the interpretation thereof is sure. I want you to hold your place in Daniel chapter two for a moment and go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter nine, and we're going to look at verse number six and seven. This is important. Again, we're talking about Bible prophecy here today, and I hope it will be a blessing to your heart. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, the word says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now let me emphasize something. The government of Jesus is yet to come on this earth. The earth right now is being ruled and controlled by the prince and the power of the air. But soon, Andre Crouch wrote a very beautiful song, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And the word says, and of the increase his government, his government which will come in the future and peace, look at this, there shall be no end. There is going to be an end to the devil's ruling of this earth. But when Jesus takes the throne, there will never be an end to his government on this earth. And upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so in Daniel chapter 2, The word is teaching us that the kingdoms of this world are going to pass away. He is saying that the kingdom of Christ is the only kingdom that will stand forever. And his kingdom is the one that will bring us peace and hope. Now, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when the king is coming, when the king comes, when the kingdom of Christ is ushered in, it is going to be a totally different story than what we have known, what this earth has, has seen and experienced. I want you to see something most of you are familiar with, the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Turn there with me in verse number 19 through 13. A lot of people refer to this as the Lord's prayer, but I emphasize something. The Lord didn't pray this prayer. He said, when you pray, you pray this prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, this is the model prayer, verse 9 through 13. After this manner, now Jesus is saying, he said, you pray, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Look at this. Jesus is praying. He's teaching us to pray. Through his words, he's teaching us to pray for the coming of the kingdom. This is the millennial kingdom when Jesus sets up his kingdom on the earth forever. So Jesus is saying, pray for the coming of the kingdom. Notice this. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. By the way, Jesus never did anything in which he had to be forgiven for. He was the perfect, spotless, sinless son of God. As we forgive our debtors, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so the new kingdom that Christ will usher in when the king comes, it's going to be a kingdom designed where it will stand forever and ever. Now listen carefully. It When you stop and look at what's happening in the world today, the devil does seem to be writing history. Right now, but I will tell you, when Jesus comes, when the king comes, the devil's not going to be writing history. He is going to become history. In the second chapter of Daniel, we find the king going through a struggle. He's, he's having a terrible dream. And he's wanting an interpretation of this dream. So if you're following the bulletin today, Roman number one is this, the mystery and the interpretation of the dream. And this chapter, I believe, is extremely important in laying the foundation for this subject this morning. So look at this. The Bible says that he awoke from his sleep and he was troubled by the dream. And I want you to see this this morning. It troubled his spirit. And so in Daniel... Notice this, Daniel chapter 2, notice with me in verse number 2. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, the astrologers, and the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king and Sarek, O king, live forever, tell thy servants the dream, and we will show. The interpretation. The king answered and said unto the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces. You get that? The king is saying, listen, I had a terrible dream. It's given me a nightmare. The problem is I can't remember what the dream was, but I want you to tell me what it was. I want you to give me the interpretation of it. And if you can't, you're toast. Look at this. You shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. And they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see this thing is gone
0: from me. Now look at that very carefully. Daniel began to become involved in this.
1: And he was asking, why is the king so upset? Why is he troubled? Why is he not himself? And in verse number 15, look at this. He answered and said to Ariach, the king's captain, why is the degree so hasty from the king? Then Ariach made this thing known to Daniel. All right, there's quite a stir in the palace. The king is troubled. Let me show you something in verse 19 through 23. Look at this. Verse 19 through 23. Then was the secret unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thy God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matters. And so as the king's dream is being interpreted by Daniel, notice this in verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron,
0: his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now, everything changes immediately
1: with verse 34, again, look at this. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them to pieces. Now, I want you to notice very carefully the word stone. I asked you to underline it just a moment ago. Who or what is this stone that Daniel is talking about? I'm so thankful that we're not left in the dark about this subject because, listen carefully, over 14 times in the Scripture, Jesus himself is referenced to being the stone. Let me give you an example. He's called the smitten stone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. Now, Christ is referred to as the rock that Moses struck. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. take in thy hand and go, behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock of Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so he is referred to as the smitten rock, or the smitten stone. Number two, he is referred to as the stumbling stone in Romans chapter 9, verse number 33. And it is written, Behold, O lay in Zion, a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now look at this carefully. He is also referred to as a special stone or a precious stone, a tried stone. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse number 16. Therefore the Lord saith, Therefore saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation of stone and tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Notice that. He is also referred to as the rejected stone. In Matthew chapter 21, verse number 22. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. Now, in our story this morning, Daniel says that he is the smitting stone. Now, look at this. Daniel is saying that this stone is going to come and destroy the other kingdoms of the world. I'm so looking forward to the day that God settles the score with this old earth. And with the devil that's ruling this world right now, when godliness will be restored on this earth forever, somebody say amen. Now, let me answer a few questions for you about the King coming. When will the kingdom of Christ be set up? When is that going to happen? A few Sundays ago, I gave you a Bible prophecy chart. And if you still have that you can follow along chronologically some of the things that are going to happen but listen the kingdom of christ is going to come in the end times and here i've got to be fast with this i've got to go very fast with it i know that some of you wish i would slow down and get in more uh, depth and yeah but it's it can't happen okay first of all i don't have that ability i don't have that talent some people do some people don't i don't Listen to this. I'm going fast. The first thing, when will the kingdom of Christ come? The first thing, the rapture has to take place. The rapture is when the Lord Jesus comes back for the bride and when he comes back for the church. Now, listen to this. The rapture is when the dead in Christ rise first and then those of us who are alive and remain at the time of the rapture, at the shout, the trump of God, that's when we're going to be changed according to the word of God in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Okay, that's when the Christian, the believer of the New Testament is going to be raised where we will meet the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ takes place in the air. So when the trumpet sounds, the Lord Jesus comes, we will meet him in the air. When that happens, this world will enter into a seven-year tribulation period. The first three and a half years is going to be a time of false peace, a false treaty that's made with the nation of Israel that will fluctuate throughout the world. So for three and a half years, people are thinking this is the Messiah. Everything is good. At the end of the first three and a half years, the believers who were raptured out of this earth, we now move to the second phase, the last three and a half years of the tribulation on the earth, we now move into what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb, it will last for three and a half years. So when the rapture takes place, we meet the Lord in the air. The judgment seat is taking place for three and a half years. After that three and a half years, we move to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That total seven years. This earth is going through a seven-year tribulation period, the first three and a half years being a time of peace, a false peace. But then it dramatically changes to where the Antichrist sets himself up as God. Now, at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, that's when the kingdom of Christ will come. That's called the revelation of Christ. When the rapture takes place, we have to keep in mind that the rapture is different than the revelation. So we have the rapture, Seven years, and then we have the Revelation. Now, when the Revelation takes place, it's when the Lord Jesus defeats the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon. He will set up his earthly kingdom. It will go like this. He will come according to the word of God. He will be riding a white horse. By the way, as the Antichrist mocks in chapter 6 of Revelation. But he will come riding a white horse. And as Enoch prophesied, and as Jude prophesied, the word says, behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Thousands. That's a plural word. Thousands and thousands and thousands of believers. We will come with the Lord Jesus in the revelation. Zechariah 14.4 teaches us that in that day, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. This is the revelation. He will come. The Bible says the mountain will cleave in two. He will defeat the Antichrist, and according to the word of God, he will lead the host of heaven, the host that's with him, across the Kidron Valley, and he will lead us through the eastern gate, and that's where he will take his place, where he will rule and reign on the throne of David for 1,000 years. That's called the millennial reign of Christ. Psalm 72, verse 11 says, Yea, all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Now, I want you to notice this. Number three, his kingdom is called the millennium. I want you to follow this. His kingdom is called the millennium. In Revelation 20, verse 4 and 6, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded For the witness of Jesus, these are the tribulation saints. And for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, they refused to take his mark, bow down to his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned, look at this, with Christ a thousand years. That's the millennial reign. Blessed and holy is he that hath part, in verse number six, in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So that's the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus. Now, it's going to begin a period of time that this earth has never known, and that's going to be a thousand years of total peace. There is not going to be any disruption with this. There are not going to be any more wars, nuclear threats, no terrorist, no suicide bombings. There is not going to be uh, any of those kind of uh, break-ins and thefts and thievery and murders and those kind of things. Morality will be restored on the earth. Honesty will be restored. There's not going to be a need for any jails or prisons. There is not going to be any drugs, any alcohol. Listen carefully. This is going to be God's peaceful world. It's going to be something that this earth has never experienced since the very beginning of God's creation. Can you imagine a thousand years of peace? It's coming. Now, number four, you've got to hang on tight for this.
0: But these are the things that's going to happen in the thousand years. I've got to give them to you quick.
1: So if you need something else to write with, write it down. But this is yet to come. What I'm going to tell you right now are the things that are going to happen in the millennium. Again, you have the rapture. You have the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb for the believers. Down here you have three and a half years of false peace, three and a half years of unbelievable chaos on the earth. After that period is over, the period of the tribulation, the marriage supper has ended, the revelation takes place. That's when the Lord Jesus sets up his kingdom on the earth where he rules and reigns from the throne of David for a thousand years. Now here is what's going to happen in those thousand years. All right, number one, Satan, first of all, the devil is going to be bound. According to Revelation chapter 20 and verses 1 through 3, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, look at this, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. That's another sermon in another year of prophecy. But let me give you this. That's number one. Satan will be bound. Number two, the fierceness or the hostilities, the aggression of all the wild animals that are on the earth. The fierceness of every beast that walks on the earth is going to be restored. What do you mean by that? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 and 7. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together. And look at this. And a little child shall lead them. Picture a child leading a grizzly bear.
0: Picture a child leading a leopard. Picture a child leading the lion. The word says a little child will lead them.
1: How can that be? God has taken the brutality, the desire to kill, to maim, to wound. He's taken that away from them in the millennium. In verse 7, and the cow and the bear shall feed. That's impossible on the earth today. Look at this. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. All right. So, number one, Satan is going to be bound. Number two, the fierceness of the beast is going to be removed. Number three, Christ will reign in person. Right now, he's reigning in our heart. Right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. We work for him. We serve him. We live for him. We will die for him. We obey him. We follow him. But right now, he is ruling from the Father's side. He is ruling in our hearts. When the millennium takes place, the Lord Jesus will be on this earth. He is going to be ruling in person. In Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him. We are going to be literally reigning with Christ. Look at this, a thousand years. That's in the millennium. Now, number four, Jerusalem will be established as his capital for his kingdom on this earth. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 17. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it. To the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. All right, number five, what's going to happen? The saints will reign with Christ during this thousand years. We've already mentioned this, but I want you to see it in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 10. And has made us our God, a kings and priests who shall reign on the earth. So I want you to think about that. We're going to be reigning with the Lord a thousand years. Now, number six. When the king of glory comes, when he is sitting on his throne and the devil is cast into hell, it's going to be then, listen carefully, the Jewish people are going to be restored back to their land in its fullest. The Jewish people have never fully occupied the promised land. If you study the word of God and you, you look at, the, the four corners of what God gave, promised to Abraham, you, you wouldn't believe it. They, they would occupy Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Jordan. It, 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 it would be impossible for those things to happen. They, they have never occupied it all. But during the millennium, they will be. And the scriptures, Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, Without a prince and without a sacrifice, without an image and without an and without a Tehran, after the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. All right? So listen carefully. The Jewish people are going to be restored back to the land. I know this is a lot. I'm trying my best not to trip up over these things too fast for you. It's hard for me to slow it down, but I'm trying to do that. Number seven, there is going to be universal peace, universal peace, not a a false peace. When the Antichrist comes in for the first three and a half years, there's going to be a false peace. He will break that peace. He will break that peace treaty with Israel. But in the millennium, there is going to be a total tranquil period of time of peace. Universal peace. Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, and their spears and their pruning hooks. nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Number 8, real quickly. Righteousness, holiness is going to prevail on the earth. In Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Number nine, the curse of the earth is going to be removed. I want you to look at this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 29 through 35. And this is important. When Adam and Eve sinned, God put a curse on the ground. Thorns and thistles, he said, it's going to bring forth. You're going to work by the sweat of your brow. But I want you to see this now. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 29 through 35. I will also save you from all your uncleanliness and I will make call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field that you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations, not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways. O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be built and the desolate land shall be tilled, where is it laid desolate in the sight of all that passes by? And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like a garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. All right, number 10, quickly. I'm out of time. I'll try to do this a little bit more quicker. There is going to be universal prosperity. Universal prosperity in Micah chapter 4 and verse number 4. The word says this. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Number 11, real quick. Everybody in the millennium, is going to speak the same language. There will not be a language barrier. You remember when the people tried to build the Tower of Babel in the days of Nimrod, God destroyed it, the people were confounded, and they began to speak all kinds of different languages. In the millennium, everybody will speak the same language. No language barrier. In Zephaniah chapter 3, in verse number 9, For then will I turn to the people, A pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Everybody will speak the same language. And number 12, and I'll ask for our musicians to come forward. Every person, every saint
0: will be like Jesus. In First John chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 2. Beloved, now we
1: the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know
0: that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is.
1: Now let me answer this question as we wrap up this series. This, this, I know it's hard for you, but I'll tell you what, it's ten times harder for me. Try to get this to you in a manageable way. And I've asked the Lord to help us even this week. Lord, I know this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to give it to the folks, so help me, Lord. But let me try to answer this question for you because I think it brings finality to this particular sermon.
0: And that is this. And you may ask it, Pastor, how far are we from the kingdom of Christ on this earth? How far are we from it? How close are we to it? Well, I want you to think about it. I'm not a date
1: setter. I've, I've never endorsed anybody that's ever set a date for the Lord to return. So many people, so many people, Jehovah's Witnesses are famous for it. But so many people in denominations and faiths and ideologies have tried to predict dates for when the Lord would come or his kingdom would be established on this earth. And the Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour, only the Father. But listen to this. I'm not a date setter. But I will tell you this. I can narrow it down for you. And that is this.
0: If Jesus were to return today, and he could. He could come in the next five minutes. Are you rapture ready? If he came today, think about this just for a moment then it would be seven years from today that he would
1: begin his earthly reign. It's when the revelation would take place, if he came today. When Daniel finished the interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that
0: man came down from his throne and said that Daniel's God was now his God. I tell you, only eternity will reveal the truth of his heart. But here's the thing I'll leave you with in this series today. Because every person
1: in this auditorium, and those of you that are watching and listening by internet, every person here, you're without excuse. Every person in this building has heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I listen, there might, be, there might be things. Somebody asked me this question, and they said this to me, and I've never forgot it. I said, Pastor, what are you going to do? you preached all this
0: stuff. You say you believe all this stuff. What are you going to do if when you die, you go to hell? If I die and go to hell, I'm going to die and go to hell with my arms and legs wrapped around the cross. And so I've preached the gospel,
1: I've shared the gospel, I've presented the gospel, and so there's, there's no reason that nobody hears without excuse. I might stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account
0: for a lot of shortcomings, and I know that I will but I will never have to answer. Why did you not preach the gospel? Why
1: did, no one, listen, at the judgment seat, no one will ever be able to point to me. Now, you might be able to point to me for other things, but you will never be able to
0: point to me and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you share Jesus with me? As I stand today, as an open book, I have preached Christ, and Him crucified, and Him risen, and coming
1: again. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I beg you in Jesus' name to trust Him. Trust Him today.
0: You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.